Show and go with Taylor Davis. Today is Friday, April 7th, fresh off of Disney on Ice, the KFC Yum Center. TD joins us here. Uh, not back in Bradenton yet. He heads back, what, this weekend, yeah? How is Disney on yeah, Ice? Disney on Ice uh, was cool. Um, my son obviously loved it. Uh, you know, he he's still talking about Moana and Maui. So, uh, there honestly, though, there, there was some cool, like, there was one really cool like acrobatic part um that would like for everybody in the stadium was just like oh my gosh like this is wild some one of the like girls got raised up on a rope and then spun around the dude on the bottom is like spinning this rope around dude uh, it was wild Cirque du Soleil yeah. type shit um so yeah allow me to rain on the parade for a minute if your son's still Please. talking about Moana Moana and ice don't really go together because that's like Polynesia, that's beach, ocean, all that stuff. Like, how does it play on ice? At least there's water. Uh, you got water, but yeah. uh, I mean, you know, most of most of the things on there didn't play on ice except for Frozen. And you should have heard the freaking the three and the three to seven year old demographic when Frozen was announced. Oh. You thought it was like a concert. It was unbelievable. What'd you think of that one? What'd you think of, like, if you were to, the the one Disney movie that you can sit down and watch with your kid, which one is it? And the one that you just have on your no-no list, like, I'm not doing this. Ms. Well, Dave, you so, have to take this. So my son, Brooks, loves Cars, the movie Cars. We love Cars too. Um, I like the music in Moana, so I can do Moana. One that I really don't like, um, man, honestly, what I don't like is not a movie. For some reason, he's gotten into YouTube. Just like he doesn't even care. He'll like, he'll watch like a show, but it's just like, I want to go on YouTube. And the issue there is like all of our other apps don't have ads, yeah. right? Like it's yeah. just so annoying, but, uh, well, and it's honestly, free. Like, I really... it's free, you know, like you've got all the streaming services that you pay for to give him all the entertainment that he needs. And he's like, I want to watch the like other kid plays with toy video on a free platform. Yeah. He's watched a few of those. He got into that for a little bit. He got into like people playing with the cars. We're not into like Ryan's world or anything yet. Um, no, like real unboxings, but yeah, no, thankfully for us, like all the Disney stuff, I don't mind. I think Disney's done a pretty good job as of late of, of putting stuff out. So interesting. All right. Edgy take from me because I know it's blowing up, but like the kids, you know, watching other kids unbox toys and play with cool toys. And I mean, even like honestly, Twitch streaming, like um, watching somebody else play a video game, that's huge for people. I just can't get into that whatsoever because I'm like, why would I watch somebody else do that? When I can go do that myself at a much lower level, granted, but I can go do it myself. Yeah, I think I think some of that's odd also. Uh, you know, I do. I don't mind like I'll watch like adults unbox things that I, I can't afford. Like if there's yeah. if there's cool stuff that they're getting, you know, like I'll watch that. But uh, but yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a wild market because it is massive. Yeah. And and that Twitch market is crazy. We're, we're going to get into baseball here in a moment, but something I do love doing is going on like 
Zillow and apartments.com and looking at like luxury apartments that I cannot afford. And then also I love doing that with like five-star hotels, like bougie ass hotels. I'm a huge fan of looking at, at the executive suites in those. Yeah. We, I mean, I crushed realtor.com. We, me and my wife lived on realtor and it's so funny, you know, because like you always go over your price range and you're like, man, that's not all right. We'll take it down like 5,000 when you know that like, you need to go down 150,000 to afford it. Like, yeah. My, yeah, my mom's cool. favorite thing when I was growing up was like showing like multi-million dollar homes online. And it's like, here's my problem here. Cause she was an architect and she was like, I would have done this differently. I'm like, it's a $10 million home. Like that's okay. But <laughs> we'll, we'll get to baseball here. The Tuesday episode was um, breakout candidates in the national league. I want to run through breakout candidates in the American league here. And there were some guys that, you know, we hit on like Michael Harris, who won a rookie of the year. Can he elevate um, a guy like, you know, Corbin Carroll, the top prospect in the game? Can he live up to the hype? Dustin May, working back from Tommy John, can he live up to the hype? Dustin May start, has start. unbelievable the last two or his first two starts this season. There are some guys that, I mean, have just shoved since we last spoke. Roansi Contreras, we talked about him elevating and he carves through the Red Sox, who... I mean, Jekyll and Hyde, right? They were so good offensively against Baltimore. And then all of a sudden the Pirates come to town and they look like they're running out Denton True Cy Young on the hill every day. So, I mean, it was really interesting to watch that series. But um, we we gave you a lean, like pretty much yes or no. We think that they drastically improve their game. They may hold serve or they may regress a little bit. So we'll do that for the American League as well. You in? Let's do it. Start with a guy that, certainly, you know, made his value known last year in Arizona. And he was part of the largest transaction of the offseason, I'd say, aside from the free agent deals. Uh, Dalton Varsho went from Arizona to Toronto for Gabby Moreno and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. We talked about Moreno on the Tuesday episode. But Varsho, he's now in Toronto. What do you make of Varsho? Because this guy obviously is, is a war producer because of what he can do defensively behind the plate in in a corner outfield spot, but he can hit a little bit too, man. He can hit more than a little bit. I am all in on Don Varsho. I thought that was such a good pickup for any team. You got some years of control. Um, I think he turns himself into a monster in, in, in Toronto. I think he's going to benefit from being around better hitters. Um, I actually, uh, the hitting coach in Toronto was one of my coaches in double a. So uh Guillermo so I, I'm I'm all in on, on him going there you know I we before we got on here we talked about like the other day he buttoned for a single hit an opposite field home run and then threw a guy at the plate like you can't that's a creative player like that that's what you're hoping for and you know the 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 floor we talk about floors but like if he can catch which we know he can like worst case scenario he's catching but he's a really good defensive outfielder right so with so, Varsho, you know, he played one full season in 2022. He has 745 OPS. He is a career 105 OPS plus guy. So he is a slightly above average bat in his career. Now you, you take a seven game sample so far this year. He's got three doubles, a homer. He's OPSing about 980. He's not a 980 OPS guy. I don't think he's a 750 OPS guy. I think that this guy could be in the 800 to 850 range while playing world-class defense. I couldn't agree more. I think he's more valuable than Teoscar Hernandez by the end of the year. 
Damn. Okay. So you think that that was just an immediate upgrade for Toronto and they, they got it right. 100% and they get to keep him. Yeah. Is he a, cause I think he just hit his first year of arbitration or he hits his first year of arbitration next year. Do you think he's an extension candidate for them? For sure. For sure. An extension candidate it just depends if like they've got, they've got so many guys I got to pay. I so know. I don't know what you're going to do. And honestly, I don't know if about, I don't know enough about the system. Um, I don't know who they've got coming. So it's not very good, right? No, like in terms of bats, I don't think there's anybody that they got to pay. Ricky Tiedemann is like their most notable prospect, but that's a left-handed pitcher. And, you know, pitchers, except for a strider, like they're really not candidates for that pre-arbitration extension. Um, But more in terms of like, if you didn't pay somebody, do they have people coming up to fill those spots? No. Um, you know, Bichette, if you don't pay, Addison Barger had a pretty good year last year. Um, you know, you, you can call him the breakout. You have, to pay, you have to pay Bichette and you have to pay Vladdy. So you might be running out of money if Farsho continues to up his price. You know what I mean? You got to do it now. You got to do it right yeah. now. Right now. Yeah. Um, next one. I've got three Orioles. Gunnar Henderson, you know, consensus top two prospect, one by most, two by some. Gunner, he, he is the odds-on favorite to an American League Rookie of the Year ahead of Masataka Yoshida. You think this guy can run away with the Rookie there? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a no-brainer to me. I think it, I think the question mark, like, and I don't think it's a big question mark, but is the defense gonna is the defense gonna stick? Um, yeah. But I, yeah, I mean, I'm all in on Gunner Henderson. You know, it, we all know that I'm biased this way, but I think he breaks out in in a large way. Yeah. Do you think? You know, if we're talking about Gunner five, six years from now, do you think he's playing short or third? I hope he's playing short. Okay. I I hope he's playing short because I think he has the ability to – chances are better than not, I'd say, that he plays third. Uh, he's big. You know, he's a big dude. Yeah. He's kind of uh, Corey Seager-ish, though, and I remember everybody saying to Cor- about Corey Seager, like, Corey's going to have to move to third because he's so big, and he never had to. Like – I think you deserve the opportunity to show that you can stick until you don't. I mean, A-Rod, look at A-Rod, right? Like at some point you'll have to move, you'll have to move him. But I think for the time being, I'd love to see the value he could create at shortstop in Baltimore. A hundred percent. And it was, it was interesting. I don't want to say funny, but like shows you what kind of talent they have in the middle infield that, we asked Gunner, a guy that doesn't get, you know, as much praise as he probably should in that Orioles system. And he says, Joey Ortiz and Joey Ortiz is at triple a right now. You know, we're not even talking about Jordan Westberg yet. It was a former first round pick of the Orioles. And then you've got Connor Norby who's hitting the crap out of the ball in triple right now. That's a true second baseman. So here you are rolling out Gunner Westberg and Norby. And then at the big league level, you've got Mateo, you've got Adam Frazier for a year, um, you've got Ramon Urias. Like there are so many guys. There's so much traffic in the middle infield and at third base. I'm just curious how they maneuver that, who they trade for starting pitching. I've got no idea, but we shall see, man. Um, Ryan Mountcastle is the next one. And, and I think a lot of people were expecting Mountcastle to break out in a big way last year. 33 homers. He had an 800 OPS in 21. He finished sixth in rookie of the year voting. 2022, 22 homers. He has a 730 OPS. I think this guy can be a 900 OPS guy. He is a he is an incredibly talented power bat. 
Um, so far through six games, he's got five extra base hits, three doubles, two homers. What do you think Ryan Mountcastle's 2023 looks like? Does he walk? Does he walk enough? So like what walk numbers? Yeah, on his career, he's a seven percent walk rate guy. So no. So I don't think he's a nine hundred OPS guy then. Okay. Um, I don't think he I don't think he gets on base enough. I think he can hit. I think the like the 240 to 260 mark is probably about right just because he's going to hit more homers and he's going to want to hit homers. I, you know, I really like Mountcastle's bat, but I don't see it. I think 33 was a peak and I think 22 was the, was the floor. I think you saw the ceiling in the floor. I think you're going to get something in the middle. I think he's going to be a really good everyday player for the Orioles. Uh, Trey Mancini. Yes. Okay. And I think Orioles fans would sign up for Mancini right away if they, you know, 100%. saw that coming. Um, Mountcastle yeah. was 255 and 21. He was 250 in 2022. Do you think he's a 250 hitter? Yeah, I think that's a, like, like I said, I think 240 to 260, maybe 270 on, on his best year. Um, and now as he gets older, he, I, I would say he's a guy that'll hit better as he gets older. I could see him kind of turning it on. I don't think he'll ever win a batting title. Yeah. But I think you could see like a 275 with 25 in a couple years. So like I I think it could be every year. So what you're saying is like we could be seeing a, a a poor man's JD Martinez. I don't want to say poor man's, but like a JD Martinez light, right? Where he gets better yeah. as he sees more pitches and the swing, you know, is almost refined as the years go on. Absolutely. So I put a big question mark next to Adley Rutschman because he's already broken out in a massive, massive way. And I think everybody is considering him a top three catcher in baseball with Rio Muto and Will Smith. So I guess, like, where am I going with Adley Rutschman? Is he the best catcher in baseball at year's end is probably the question there. And I guess you could consider that a breakout like does he get mvp votes is he the best catcher in baseball yes he is the best catcher in baseball he was the best defensive catcher in baseball last year and yeah. he wasn't there the full season. so yeah. and we're talking about a guy that went one one because of his bat right. so you know I, and i said that when i saw him he was he's the most complete baseball player i have ever seen um he's not the most exciting i don't want to say that sorry adley uh, Javi was the most exciting guy I ever watched play. Javi Baez, just excitement-wise. Everything that Javi does on a the field, there's always an opportunity for him to wow you, whether it be on the bases, whether it be on the field. Adley's just going to do everything right. He's a better blocker by a long shot than the rest of the league. He can really throw. Now, I'll give you this. I, I think Real Muto, something that people don't talk enough about is how well Real Muto throws. Yeah. Like. He's throwing one sevens consistently. Like that is incredible. Well, he's top flight pop time. I mean, like his pop times are up there with like whatever Yachty was putting up in his prime. Right. Like it, it's as it's as good as we've seen in a long time. So, but Adley's throwing 90 plus from behind the behind the plate. So he, he's doing that. He's getting your framing. I think as far as that war goes, I don't think anybody's going to outwar Adley Rutschman on top of the fact that he can really walk. Like as a as a first year player, he had an above average walk rate with power. I think two. I think he hit what like two fifty. I think that's the floor. Like I think what we got last year was the worst version of Adley Rutschman we're gonna see. Which is insane, man. He had thirty five doubles five in thirteen players. games. 
five win player. And you think that is the floor for Adley Rutschman, which is incredible. Now the one knock, and, and I ask you is Adley Rutschman over the hill. Cause he was four for four in the stolen base department last year. He's attempted once he got caught. He's zero for one in the stolen base department. Is he cooked? I, I, I'm telling him not to run. Like, I don't want him to run. I'll tell you, honestly, Adley wants to run. Adley's Adley. When I was with him in 20, like he was, he was trying to get in shape to run. Um, I, you know, and he can not taking nothing away from him. He's smart yeah. enough, but you know, it's one of those things where like, look, Adley, I want you to catch every single day. I don't want you to run. No, I mean like trout can run, but he doesn't anymore. You know what I mean? Like it, right. there, there's, there's, there's guys that just don't need to do it. Yeah. It's a business decision for him. Um, now, Put together like what you think his slash line looks like this year and and text it to him and say, if you are under any of these numbers, you owe me like four steak dinners. <laughs> <laughs> I should, I should. Like, I think there's a legitimate chance um, that you see a career 300, 400, 500 guy. Yeah. Being the best defensive catcher in baseball doing that. Like, dude, that's, you, you know what I mean? Like, that's, it's crazy. That is that is insane. And, you know, like I was looking at Votto's numbers because Votto's on a rehab assignment against Indy. And Votto, he hit 205 in 90 games last year. That dropped him under that 300 marker. But this guy is 297, 412, 515. Joe Maurer in his career, 306, 388, 439. Do you think this year of Adley Rutschman is better than Joe Maurer's career? Yes. Okay. Yes. I think I think we're I think we're over that. I I don't know that I don't know that like the 300 mark is just so um, it's tough, right? Like hitting 300 is incredibly difficult. And it's different now. Like I would say, yes, yes, it was difficult in 2008 when Maurer hit 365, which is effing crazy. But, you know, it was easier to hit 365 then than it is now because the pitching was not to the level it is right now. And I. We'll take that, but I'll even go a step further and say, like, you're you're expected to hit for more power now. So the hits don't matter as much. I would rather you hit 260 with homers than hit 300 without homers. Yeah, fair. Um, all right, next one for you, moving off of Adley. This was a conversation that Arm Layton and I had on the Just Baseball show, and it's it centered around Randy Arozarena. And, and Randy has had a very good career to this point. He's 28 years old. He's around a career 130 WRC plus guy. So he is a well above average hitter. But the thing is, Randy in a tournament structure, Randy in the postseason, Randy in the World Baseball Classic, is like best player on the planet. So we're trying to find this middle ground for Randy Arozarena. Like, do we just accept that he is a good everyday player during the regular season and a deity in the postseason, or can he be somewhere in between those two and elevate in the regular season? I think we both said that we expect Randy to take that WBC and take these postseason accolades that he's already accomplished and push that towards like almost locking in to a higher level during the regular season and putting together a career where when he hits the open market in a couple of years, he may be a nine-figure guy. Uh, he, I don't see him being a nine-figure guy because he's already 28. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, Randy Rosarena is the offensive Madison Bumgarner. He yeah. is 
a really good staple in your lineup until you get to the postseason and he's the best player in the planet. You know, I I, I don't think he's going to break out. I see him having a similar year to where he's been. I see him being valuable because of that. Um, he's the guy, like, get me to the playoffs and give me Randy Rosarena. Not yeah. give me Randy Rosarena to start the year. So you just think he's that guy? Like, you think he is always going to be a, an above-average regular and, like, a great Robin to Wander Franco's Batman? He's probably a, you know, five-year, 60 to $70 million contract guy when he's up at the age of 29 or 30. And then when, he when is turns he it on. When is I'll he tell you right now, I think it's in two years, but I will confirm. I don't like, but see, the problem is, like, I don't see somebody paying a, a running outfielder for through his age 35 season. Yeah. Oh, I went to fan graphs. Why did I go to fan graphs instead of spot track? F4. Yeah, stupid head. Um, Randy Arozarena. Oh shit, he doesn't hit it for a while, man. Twenty twenty seven. Yeah, no, he gets free agency. That's thirty two years old. All right, he's not that guy. He's he's not that guy, but he's going to be very valuable, and he's valuable because of that. Like the reality is, he's in the right place, right? Tampa's the best place for Randy Arozarena. Um, but yeah, no, I don't see him breaking out. Got you. One Red Sox, one Yankee. Then we're done with the AL East. Tristan Casas has had a really tough start so far. And this is a South Florida guy. It's been cold as shit in Boston. He's wearing the turtleneck. I'm sure that makes him uncomfortable, but he's hitting a buck 40 through the first week of the season. Do you think Tristan Casas elevates and becomes the number two in that lineup like many are expecting him to be behind Rafi Devers? Or do you think we're still a year or so away from seeing you know, Tristan Casas really assume that role. Sorry to Aram ahead of time, but no, I don't, I don't see it out of Casas. And the reason being is like, go look at last season, go not even just the big leagues. Like he was an average player in AAA and very few guys go from being an average player in AAA to being a superstar in the big leagues. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm going to go no. I, I don't think we're there yet. And I don't know that I don't know if it's because he's not ready, but I just don't think we're there yet. Yeah. Casas was 270 with 11 homers and 72 games in triple. So he did walk a lot. He had a 380 OBP. He was looking at an 860 OPS. Then he gets up for, you know, very brief cameo, 27 games, but he was, you know, a 760 OPS guy, but he hit a buck 97. So he's always going to walk, right? Question is, what's going to happen when you put bat on ball? And, and for Casas at this point, it is not the impact that I think many were expecting right away. So, yeah, I, like I can Joey definitely. Gallo. You think Joey Gallo? No, I said it's like Joey Gallo without the pop right now. Yeah, well, it's brutal right now. And Joey Gallo without the pop, we know, is is a 0, 0.0 war guy, but like a good defender, all that. But, I mean, it's just strikeout city. And at the beginning, it's strikeout city right now. He will calm down the K's, I do think, um, and he's always going to walk enough to hedge it. But the question is, is he going to be a 30-homer guy? And and your answer right now is no. No. Fair. Um, Volpe. What do you make of Anthony Volpe? He is, what, he's the first opening day rookie shortstop for the Yankees since Jeter, right? Is he really? I think so. That's uh, You know, I haven't seen enough of Volpe. Um I, I think that he's a, what I have seen is it's, it's exciting. 
Um, I just don't know. Like, like, is he tooled out like all these other guys? Like, he can move. You look man. at Cruz, and you look at you look at Ellie De La Cruz, and you look at some of these guys that are, yeah, you know, like these guys coming up, even even like a Bichette, right? Like, I don't see Volpe hitting thirty. No, um, and he's not he's even going to be a like. Is he a be- like? Is he a better? Is he just a better IKF? Ooh, that's tough. I I don't think that those two are in a similar conversation. Yeah, I mean, like he's nowhere close to the breath that O'Neill and Ellie De La Cruz should be in, and he, I don't even think he's in the Carroll breath because Carroll has game changing speed. Um, but now I like I don't think that's fair to Volpe to call him an elevated IKF. I I think that he is closer to Carroll than many would, you know, assume. Because he does run with the best of them. He had 50 bags last year. And, and I don't care, you know, like pickoff rules, whatever, in the minor leagues at, at double. But, you know, 50 bags is 50 bags. And he has the ability to hit 20 at Yankee Stadium. So if we're looking at, you know, a guy that could go 20-30 or 20-40 in his best year, I, you got to value him as, you know, someone serious to consider at the shortstop position. Give me a slash for him. Um, this year I'm thinking probably like, I'll say 270, 340, 440, 450. So it's a 780 OPS and let's assume he steals 20 bags. Like if he's not a gold glove defender, when it comes to just overall value, he's a, just a slightly elevated IKF because IKF is a premier defender at the position. Yeah. So Volpe last year, he had a he had a 1027 OPS between low and high A. And that was 294, 423, 604. Last year between double and triple, 132 games, 250, 340, 460. I think that's what he can do over the course of his career. So, you know, how do you view it? 800 OPS guy, good defender, 40 bags. Like it's not Jeter. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Yankee fans. It's not Jeter, but I think that's a damn good shortstop. You got to be really happy with an 800 OPS there. No doubt. And he's a guy that'll probably eventually lead off. You know, I think that that's important. I think that's something that's underrated. I think leadoff hitters are important. They're like closers to me. Um, it's not necessarily the most important part of the lineup, but it just takes somebody with a different skill set to do it. Here's my Bay take. G1 Bay going to be a leadoff guy in Major League Baseball for a decade. Oh, no doubt. G1 Bay, or he's going to hit, but... If if they keep O'Neill and they keep him, he may hit ninth for the rest of his career and have him hitting ninth and have have O'Neill hitting first or 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 have him hitting second. Go O'Neill to Bay. Come on. Would you go O'Neill to Bay or Bay to O'Neill? My thing is the I amount like of two O'Neal run homers have... that O'Neill could hit. I agree. I like O'Neill leading off. Um just just for him. He's got I, I, right now. I'd say like let's let's let him see some pitches. Let's let him see some fastballs. Um, that's a great question, though. You know, and we've talked about. I think you put your best hitter second. So if we're doing that, then yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go with Bay Bay to O'Neill. Love it. Um, all right, AL Central. Will Brennan with the Cleveland Guardians. Brennan got a very brief cameo, but you saw him in Columbus a, a good bit last year, right? Uh, we saw him a little bit. Um, we saw he came up like in the middle of the year. So I think we saw him in two series. Um, Got you. I, I am a huge fan of Brennan. I saw him out in 2018 on the Cape. Um, I saw him 
let's see, 2021 in high A and 22 in triple. And this guy feels like Quan Light, but honestly a, with a bit more pop. So he, he's not going to put up those like egregious lack of chase rate and lack of swing and miss numbers that Quan does. Like Quan is the gold standard in that regard. But Will Brennan is a bat-to-ball guy that can pepper the alleys. He was a slightly – he was like a like a poor man's version of Alec Burleson last year to me. I liked Burleson better than I liked him. So um, I think he's a good player. I would like him in my system, but I don't see him being an all-star this year. Yeah, fair. I I mean, I, I don't think anybody sees him as being an all-star. Do you think he can turn into an everyday guy for the Guardians? Like, Brennan can play center. I'm just curious – how often they stick with straw because he is so good. We know that we, we know he is so good defensively, but he just can't really hit any, and he hasn't hit over the last couple of years. I think if, I think if the guardians continue to rely on what they've relied on in that pitching staff, and if they continue to pay their pitchers and you know, you keep Bieber, um, I think you you're looking at a similar situation to what you had in Kansas city um, a few years ago where, I'm just putting my best defenders out there because we're not going to give up runs. We're going to score enough with Jose Ramirez, Andres Jimenez. Um, we're going to do enough with the bat that we're just going to try to limit runs as much as possible. And I, I like Miles Straw out there. Uh, as you said, I mean, with Miles Straw and Stephen Kwan in, in those two positions, man, that, that I feel could fly. Here's one. Do they pay Bieber? He's got one more year of control after this. And then he hits the open market at age 30. I think so. I think there's a chance. And I, I think if you do it right now, you can get him for a relative discount, right? Like he hadn't been superstar level last year. So um, I'm doing it. Like he's an ace. He's a bona fide ace. Yes. Like, and he's, he's 27 years old. He's already seen a velo dip. He's already had a shoulder issue, but he has worked around that. And, and he is as pinpoint as a guy you will find in Major League Baseball. He hits his spot every single damn pitch. He's incredible. Is he one of your favorite arms to watch? For sure. I, I really, really enjoy watching Bieber. And, and, you know, the other thing is, like, he's a guy that's a relative veteran at this point, especially on that team, on the pitching staff. So, like, that's a great guy to have around it. And, you know, we've talked about this. Um, I'm a huge fan of, like, if you have a, a homegrown guy, you keep that guy. Like, he's a Cleveland guy. He's been in Cleveland. He's been important to that team. I think it's important to pay that guy. Uh, Mitch Keller, right? Like if Mitch Keller can repeat, like, I think it's important to pay that guy, right? Um, keep him there. That's important for the organization. For sure. Um, all right. Three guys with the Royals. We're going to go three at a time with him. Bobby Witt, Vinny Pasquantino, MJ Melendez. Give me a yes, yes, no, a yes, no, yes, whatever it is. And, and just brief reason why. Maybe yes and no. Okay. Uh, I'll start with Melendez. Melendez just doesn't do enough defensively for me. So if he do goes through a stretch where he doesn't, and when I mean he doesn't do enough defensively, I mean like it's negative. It's production brutal. defensively. Yeah, the so, runs are terrible. Yeah, all the all the defensive metrics are brutal. So if he if he doesn't hit for a month or a couple weeks, like he's so he's so detrimental to your team. Vinny Pasquantino, Pasquantino, yes, I'm in. I think that I think it's real. I think the the bat is very real. I think the glove will be fine. Um, I, I'm taking him. Bobby Witt is a very interesting guy to me because he like had like a sneaky good and sneaky bad year last year. Yeah. Like it was it was right in the middle. 
So I don't know that we see a breakout, but I think we see a better, better version of Bobby Witt. I think like 2024 Royals fans are looking at a guy to start the all-star game at shortstop, yeah. but I don't think it's next year. You think he's like 30, 30 guy next year, not this year. Yeah. yeah. Give me a upgrade from last year offensively. Let's let him get better. I don't think he turns into who he's going to be because I do think he's going to be, uh, you know, a, a, a guy that you see in the all-star game every single year, but I don't think uh, it's this year. It's so funny because last year we, we say he was underwhelming. He was fourth in rookie of the year voting. He had 20 homers and 30 backs. Like that's just who Bobby Witt is. And we expect more from him. We expect 30, 30 almost. But we got a 255 batting average with a 294 OBP. That OBP needs to be on the right side of 300. It was not. So far, we're seven games in. He's hitting a buck 54 and he's got a 240 OBP. And you can't take anything away from the first week of the season, I know. But this guy does need to walk more. He does need to get on base more because he had a sub 300 OBP and he was 30 for 37 in the stolen base department. So it felt like every time he was getting on base, he was going. If he does get on base more, we could be looking at like the league leader in stolen bases with 30 homer potential. Absolutely, right? And like, you know, a little bit of that is is getting on base starts with your batting average, right? Like hitting yeah. 255, if you're not going to walk, you need to hit 300. So yeah. pick one or the other, because you're right. He needs to get on base because that's where his value is. Sure, right. he's going to hit his homers. But his value is getting on base. Right. And, and Michael Harris picked the other. He picked, okay, I'm going to hit 300. I'm, I'm going to chase a lot. I'm not going to walk a lot, but I'm going to hit enough to get me on base all the time. That's kind of what Quan does too. You know, Quan doesn't chase many pitches, but because of lack of impact, he sees a lot of pitches within the strike zone and Quan hits those where defenders aren't. So he is a 300 hitter, gets on base. He lets the athleticism play. Michael Harris, the best example of that. So Bobby Witt needs to be either Michael Harris in the batting average department, or he needs to walk a lot more. So I, I'm totally with you. Two Tigers, Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson, both had very high expectations a year ago. That was a throwaway year for the Tigers last year, it felt like. And, you know, Torque snuck it up to the point where he got optioned. Riley Green was, you know, injury hampered all last year. Green's had a nice start to the season. Torkelson hit a bomb earlier this week you think one or both those guys break out torque I, I like torque I, I you know we talked about him being bust proof when guys drafted him and and I you know as a catcher uh, I really really like the swing I think that he fell into a slight college pattern like he got a little pushy with the swing everything got a little inside outish um and I think he's a guy that's gonna read teach himself how to throw the barrel i i think this the moves are small enough that he's gonna hit it's it's big power with a hitter i, I see him being really talented am i right in saying that the swing seems so simple absolutely that's what i mean like the moves are so small right like it's a you know chris bryant has a relatively simple swing right yeah. like it's it's not a bunch of movement um it's the opposite of javi Baez, and so I, I'm going to take Torque. I think Torque does. I'll tell you this, though. Like, everybody's told me that Riley Green is a better player than than Torkelson, and I, I don't see it. I, I think he's a good player. 
I think he's a really good athlete. Uh, but I think Torkelson, uh, when we're going over their careers in 20 years, I think you're looking at Torkelson being the better player. Yeah, so I, I think it's the athlete point that is like what's driving the Riley Green narrative. Like Green, the argument is there that Green could be the better overall player, but Torque can be the better hitter and like it's not close because Torque can hit 300 with 40 homers. Like he, the same energy that you're using in regards to Jordan Walker Remember, we used that a year ago with Torkelson, but people just forgot because he hit 200 last year and he didn't hit for power. So, like, remember that you had that same energy and we could be talking about one of the best power bats of, you know, this next generation of baseball players. So Green, while he could be a really good overall player and a perennial all-star in center, you know, Torque has the chance to be, you know, a 400-plus home run guy and hit you know, to a very good average with a pretty low K rate, which, which I appreciate. Um, and he's it- one of the coolest, I don't know if you, I don't know if you heard the the story about when they told him he was making the big league team. Did you hear how they told him he was making the big league team last year? Um, didn't Miggy pass him the glove? Yeah. I like called him in the office and like Miggy was like, Hey, it's your turn. Like that is, that is like chills. That's so cool to me. W- weren't they both crying too? I think Torque cried. I, I mean, I was almost crying. Are you kidding me? <laughs> did you see, also, did you see the the uh, Detroit Legends throw out the first pitch and call out Miggy? Um, I saw that it happened. I saw that there were four first pitches that were lined up. Who were the four? It was uh, Calvin Johnson, Ben Wallace. Um, I'm going to forget this guy's name because he's a hockey guy. I'm not a hockey guy. Nick. Uh, Lind- Lindstrom, Lind- yeah, does that sound Nick right? Lindstrom, yeah, that sounds right. I'm not a hockey yeah. guy either. Okay, and they were getting ready to throw out the first pitch, and they all looked over and they go, Well, what are we doing? And they called out Miggy, and, and Miggy came out and threw out the other. That's cool, that's, dude. That that's cool. really cool. Uh, we got to talk about Miggy at some point because I that's Aram's guy, like you know, being a, a young Marlon. Oh, so so yeah. Yeah, I mean, he is, you know, like Miggy's his all-time favorite player. And, and Miggy is somebody that I feel like among players is universally beloved. And, you know, we, we talk about like Kevin Durant is every NBA player's favorite player. I feel like Miguel Cabrera is most MLB players' favorite player. And I'll give you one story before we go to the next guy. But and I, I don't have any factual evidence to back this up, but this is just a rumor that I heard was that Early when when Miggy had gotten paid in Detroit, they were going to the playoffs and Miggy stood up and he said, I don't even want my playoff share. I'm going to give my playoff share to the rookies. I just want to win. And like, that's the kind of like, you know, we talked about guys just wanting to win, but how better can you show that than literally putting your money where your mouth is? So that is so cool. That's really cool. And I love the interactions that he had at first base, you know, when he was there and just like fucking with people. It was so funny, man. Um, All right. Two Minnesota twins, one of which I think, you know, I'm pushing all my chips in on on the second guy. But the first guy is Jose Miranda, who is like a fantasy baseball darling for many, I think, because he is um, he's a nice combination of batting average power. You know, he can he can play either corner. What do you think of Miranda, the player? I really like the bat. Um, I think the bat plays, you know, I saw him in, in, uh, uh, you know, 21 when he was an absolute monster. Um, it, it was a joke, right? He was, a, he, it was 
he was too good for AAA that year. Um, but I, I do think the bat's real. I think the power's real. I think the bat stays in the zone a really long time, and I like that. I see him hitting. I see him hitting for a while. Um, the question mark for me is, where does he play? I don't know how bad the defense is, but I understand that it's not great. So, um, But I don't think it's as bad as Melendez. So um, I think that we're talking about a guy that, yeah, I, I don't know that we see a breakout from him. Like, I think he's a everyday regular. If that, yeah. like, I don't, I don't yeah. see a superstar on that team, but I see an everyday regular. You know, he he almost feels like an elevated Vladdy defensively, where Vladdy was a liability at third. They move him to first, and he's fine. Like he gets by. Um, I, I think Miranda is at third right now, and he is cut from the Austin Riley cloth, where it's not egregious, but it's certainly not good. And then you move him over but to he's first. Not Right, he's not hitting like Riley. But, you know, remember first couple years of Austin Riley, he wasn't hitting like Austin Riley. So, um, you know, we're looking at a guy, I think, that if he does make the move to first and if they move off of the Kirilov idea, um, then, you know, maybe he unlocks something more offensively because he has less to worry about defensively. Yoan Duran is like one of my picks to be the next best closer in baseball, man. I mean, he is a huge human you probably saw him as a starter because he was a starter until he was, he was a starting pitcher. And then he came up as a closer. And uh, I know very vague point. He was a starter until he wasn't, but um, you know, he came up as a starting pitcher and then all of a sudden you slap him in the pen and you don't see the Chapman bump, but because Chapman was still throwing one Oh five as a starter, but all of a sudden it's, it's one Oh three and he's throwing a hundred mile an hour splinkers. And it's absolutely insane. I feel like that guy first, first hundred mile an hour off speed pitch. Yeah. Like I feel like that guy, you know, we talked to Al Mora and he said McClanahan is one of his more, you know, recent uncomfortable at bats. I feel like Yoan Duran is just an uncomfortable AB for everybody. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think that guy's, he's breaking out to me. I'm, I, I don't know what else to say. The guy throws a hundred mile an hour off speed pitches. Like I, there's nothing right. Like he's coming at you. You know, what's coming. It's moving. It's it's heavy. Um, yeah, it's it's special. To that tune, what do you make of like the high speed changeup from these Marlins? Like the Sandy Alcantara changeup, the Edward Cabrera changeup. I think Lizardo's starting to throw it too. We saw it in 2020 with Sixto Sanchez. Like they're all low to mid 90s changeups. Is that a thing, or do you think that it's like, hey, you need velocity separation between fastball and changeup to consider this a changeup? Not for me, like, you know, in essence, all you're trying to do is miss barrels. You know, if you miss the bat, it's a, it's a bonus, but you're just trying to miss barrels. Yeah. Four miles an hour difference is going to miss a barrel if it looks the exact same. Right. So that's why I think those, you know, now the days of the Johan Santana changeups and the slow changeups are still going to be there. Uh, I think guys are still going to do that. That's it just geez, takes a, man. Yeah. It just takes a special changeup to be slower. It's got to be better. It's got to be a better pitch if it's slower. Yeah. So I like the hard changeups. I love changeups in general. I'm a huge changeup guy, so I'm buying changeups. But um, but yeah, I I uh, I see Duran being really good for a, for as long as he's healthy. Me gusta el cambio. Is that right? Yeah. What about the did you did you hear uh Booney call the Aaron Boone called um, Ian Hamilton's the Slombio? You heard about this? No. <laughs> Ian Hamilton, who you probably remember seeing, yeah. uh, he was now. 
and the and the you saw him with the um twins in in triple a oh, i did St. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, yeah. um but he uh he's throwing this like slider changeup combo that they don't know how to mark on like track man so they're calling it a slombio i love that i like did you see um man somebody i think it was in colorado last night um this new sweeper is being classified as like unknown in some ballparks on like the pitch tracking but i think it was coors field was calling it a a mix between a slider and a cutter. How do you abbreviate that? Oh, it's flutter. It's flutter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always been flutter. I know, and like on the jumbotron, like they just had a bunch of slutter. I, I heard there. the announcer. I heard the announcer go slutter. Oh, am I allowed to say that? <laughs> Probably not. I don't think so. Also, also, big shout out Pierce Johnson. Another save. Boom. A one nothing game too. Pierce Johnson got a save at a one nothing game. I was floored when I saw that that box score. I was like, dude, are we serious? We've got a one nothing game between the Rockies and the Nats at Coors Field in a Josiah Gray start. It was crazy. Um, all right. Andrew Vaughn with the White Sox finally gets to be at first base. And, and Abreu moving to Houston. Sucks for White Sox fans, but it clears up a spot for Vaughn to be comfortable again instead of, you know, being like literally the worst defensive corner outfielder in baseball. Do you think Vaughn's bat elevates there? Slightly, but not crazy. Okay. I just think his defensive value is not so negative. So I think he's a valuable player now. That's where I'm at with it. I think that he's a fine first base. He's good enough at first base. I think you're looking at a, you know, what, a probably a 260 with 25 kind of guy. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he's going to be a good player, but no, I don't see I don't see any major jump. And you'll take it, unfortunately, it's not a Brayu. All right, a couple more to wrap in the AL West. Two Angels, Logan Ohapi the catcher and the pitcher Reed Detmers. Uh let's start with Ohapi. You think he is a, a really impactful rookie? Man, that's a tough one for me. I don't know if I want to say impactful. I I know everybody's last year. Huh? He was a breakout last year. In the minor leagues. Yes. I I don't know. I don't know if the bat's real. That's what I'll say. Okay. I don't know if the bat's real. Um sure. I've heard he's good he's good to throw to. So I'll give you that, but I don't see, no, I don't see an impactful rookie out of him. I think he's going to be a good player, but no, I don't see a breakout. As for Detmers, as, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say, you think he's like, you know, seven, eight, nine in the order every night and like doing a good job managing that staff. Yeah. I think he's playing for you. Okay. I think he's a a fine player. Gotcha. Um, I think that Reed Detmers could could find another level there. I think that no hitter was real. I think you could really see another uh, tick up out out of that arm. You know, Louisville's had some really good arms come out of there, you know, in the past 10 years too. So um, kind of a cool thing to see. But yeah, I I see him potentially um, being a big piece for them behind Shohei. Yeah, man. No, I mean, Detmers Detmers and Bobby Miller were, were a tandem at Louisville in that weekend rotation. And it was so much fun. And Detmers was objectively way better than Bobby Miller was at Louisville. Miller was kind of a work in progress. And obviously the Dodgers get their hands on somebody and, you know, they turn it to gold. So that's kind of what it happened to Bobby. But 
I mean, Detmers was so good. And this pitch mix that you see, that was what he had at Louisville. And then all of a sudden he adds a slider and things look great. He had an excellent pitching matchup in Seattle with George Kirby, who is another guy on this list. Kirby, the numbers are hilarious at Elon. It was like 107 punch outs, six walks his junior year at Elon. He is a zone pounder. You think there's enough swing and miss here for Kirby to turn into a frontline guy? Yeah, I think there's enough. I, I don't know if it's necessarily swing and miss, but I think there's enough bad contact. Okay. Um, I, I see him being a guy that sticks. I think him and Logan Gilbert at the top of that rotation for them is is going to be fun to watch. Lucky for the, you know, DePoto's, DePoto has done, DePoto to me is one of the most underrated GMs in the game. Yeah. Obviously, people see what he does uh, when it comes to the trades, right? Like, you could probably make the argument that right now he's probably the best uh, at acquiring people. Um, but I, I think that as far as even drafting guys, like he does such a good job. So I, I'm I'm in on on those guys leading that staff and, and being a, a, you know, a force in the West. Yeah, man. I mean, think about it. Like he needed to build the capital in order to go get Luis Castillo and then Teoscar Hernandez and then Colton Wong. Like it's very impressive what he does to be able to give him an opportunity to improve the big league roster on a year by year basis. And they still have the farm and they still have the depth to go improve at this year's deadline. Um, Jared Kelnick is a guy that may be factored out at some point. And Kelnick, I think a lot of people were yearning for, you know, like even a 300 start to the season. He's not giving it to him. He's hitting like a buck 50 again. It, it, has the boat started to sail on Kelnick? What's the deal here? I I want Kelnick to be everything Jerry Kelnick can be. I think he's going to break out. I don't know, like, but like a breakout for Jerry Kelnick, I think looks different than a breakout for a lot of these other guys that we talked about. For sure. For sure. So like, I think Jerry Kelnick turns himself into an everyday player in Seattle. That's mm -hmm. what I'll say. And I think that we could be looking at, you know, like we talked about Bobby Witt. I think we're talking about a guy that if he turns himself into a regular this year, he gets comfortable, the pressure's off. Next year, you could see a scary Jared Kalanick. Yeah. If if he if he struggles this year and he goes somewhere else, I don't know. But I think he turns himself into an everyday player this year, and then watch out next year. Shit, man, I hope so. I I'm right there with you, man. Like a good Kalanick would be so good for Seattle, and it would be so good for Jared Kalanick, and it would be so good for that Edwin Diaz deal too. Uh, Josh Young, second to last guy we've got, Josh Young. With the Texas Rangers, had a shoulder issue that held him out pretty much the entirety of last year, which was supposed to be his rookie year. He is now a 25-year-old rookie. You think Young holds down third base for Texas? I don't know. It's scary to ask a guy to step right into the big league roster after missing a season. Um, thankfully for him, he's got some help, right? He's got Seager on that side, who's a really good defender. He's got a couple really good bats in that lineup. Um, you know, we've talked about a few guys on the National League side that could perform better because they didn't have to be the guy in the Donovan. lineup. Yeah. I think Young, I think Young had a lot of pressure coming up. I think there's a lot of, hey, like you're the guy. You are the replacement in essence for Adrian Beltre. Like you are the guy coming up, you know? Like I think there's a lot behind that. Um ah, I want I want to say yes. I want him to be good because I want the Texas Rangers to be good. I like that that team, that that lineup. I like Jacob DeGrom, obviously. Um, so I want them to be good. 
for baseball, I think it's good for baseball if they're good again. They're a big market. Um, so I'm going to go with, yeah, I just don't know what you get. That's the question. So, like, I guess really I'm going to go no because I don't know what you get. You're, you're, it's such a question mark. I'm with you, man. It feels very wild card. Like it feels, hey, he may stink defensively, but hit well. Or he may have a cold year, but he has a bit more defensive promise than we were expecting. There are just so many different ways that the cookie can crumble with him that I'm like a little nervous to firmly stamp yes or no. So I'm totally with you. Last guy is, you know, somebody you mentioned young is, you know, pretty much the couple of years removed replacement for Peltre. Hunter Brown is the immediate replacement for Justin Verlander and Lance McCullers is still, you know, sh shaken up. He's on the IL here. Um, you think Hunter Brown steps in and he's just all systems go. He looked great last year and in the postseason. Yeah. I mean, I'm in on Hunter Brown. I think, I think it's real. And, you know, we talk about Jerry DePoto doing things. Well, we talk about the Dodgers doing stuff. Well, I don't think it has to be said what the Astros can do with arms. We have seen time and time again how they just take arms and, and and do special things with them. I think he's just another example of that. I think that he's a big arm uh, with big potential. I think you see a breakout year for Hunter Brown. And, like, I think you see a three-headed monster at the end of the season. Wow. So you think that Valdez, Javier, and Hunter Brown is the big three there? Can I do. I and then you've got – Go ahead. No, can I say that I love Luis Garcia too? I think that that that's what I was about to say. Four. Like you got Rock the Baby coming in too, but we now I don't remember who we talked about this with, but I'll say this about Luis Garcia. Like I think Luis Garcia. It, let's go. Let's just go playoff Astros, okay? Because we're if we're talking about the big three, that's kind of what we're talking about, right? Like is is your playoff rotation? Yeah. I think Garcia's value is so good coming in the fourth and pitching until the ninth. And we saw it. So, like, I I take those three-headed monster, and then I give you Luis Garcia as the best swing man in baseball. Dude, I mean, even give me, like, a designed piggyback for a couple of those guys. Like, Fromber, we know that Valdez, when he's on, he's going to go seven innings in the postseason, and then you hand it over to Abreu and Presley. Works. Okay, next one. Javier... We know when he's, you know, no hit type shit, he'll go seven, but he may give you five, a one run ball. Then you piggyback him with like a healthy McCullers. Oh my gosh. You get Garcia for five McCullers for four. Then you hand it off to a Rafael Montero. And then you've got Hunter Brown. You let him go four, and then you have Luis Garcia go four. the depth is insane, dude. Yeah. Or, or you give your bullpen an entire day off and you go Lance McCullers, Garcia. Yeah, as a full day of yeah. pitching, but they have you so know many good one inning guys that they can deploy at any moment too. They're so best team yeah. in baseball. Are are they better than the Cardinals? Yeah, because the Cardinals have some serious starting pitching issues. But yeah, that's true. That's true. I did the card that that offense is just so talented. Yeah, I think the Cardinals have the best lineup in baseball with Altuve out right now. Um, I think yeah. when Altuve comes back then it becomes more of a conversation. I still give the edge to St. Louis, but the starting pitching clears St. Louis by a country mile and the bullpen clears St. Louis as well. That's fair. So, all right. Hour of Friday ball talk down the hatch. Sick. BD, have a good weekend, man.